It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Okay, a quick look back at the uh, Husky game last weekend. Uh, we played an outstanding first half, both offensively and defensively. Uh, did a lot of good things. And then, unfortunately, the second half couldn't get much done. Uh, you know, didn't play well on either side of the ball in the second half. So, so consequently, uh, didn't, get, uh, you know, didn't get a victory. And, and uh, really a, a very similar storyline, uh, ultimately, as – you know, like it was in the first week with the turnovers being the, the major problem that plagued us. Uh, turned the ball over four times, uh, and you just can't do that. And we talked about that the week before against the uh, Trojans, and we played another outstanding football team in the, in the Huskies last week. And, and when you turn the ball over four times, and three of those were in the second half, you just don't give yourself much of a chance. So, so that was unfortunate. Uh, a lot of positives in the game, a lot of positives. We ran the football exceptionally well over 200 yards rushing, over five yards of carry, uh, defended the run exceptionally well, less than 100 yards again. Uh, I think it was 88 yards total for the Huskies. Uh, came away with some takeaways of our own on defense, uh, three interceptions. Thought the secondary made some made some plays. Uh, so, so a lot to build on and uh, things to carry forward, but uh, no moral victories. I'm not trying to paint that picture but I thought we took a step forward as a football team from uh, week one to week two. Um, looking ahead now to uh, this weekend, Oregon State coming in here, a team that's feeling very good about themselves, and they should be after beating uh, the Ducks. That was a big win for them. Uh, they got a running back that's uh, really in high gear right now and, and uh, doing a good job for them. And, and uh, they, you know, they're a good football team, and, as evidenced by their win against Oregon last week. So we've got our work cut out for us again this week. We need to take another step forward as a football team and uh, just keep working hard and keep uh, keep trying to get better and, and progressing. So that's where we're at. Questions? Kyle, as you look at Oregon State, is your guys' top priority to stop Jamar Jefferson? Yeah, that's, that's uh, definitely uh, a top priority. And that's pretty much every week. There's some exceptions, but – but uh, that's the starting point for our defensive planning is, okay, what do we got to do to stop the run? How are we going to control the gaps? And, and uh, what fronts do we need to, to uh, employ? And so that, uh, and even more so this week when you got a guy running the football like, like their guy is. And so that is, uh, that's our starting point. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Um, I'm 
I'm just curious, now that we're past Thanksgiving and campus is going to be mostly empty for a while, do you believe that that alleviates uh, at least some concern in, in terms of dealing with the virus and keeping your players safe, that campus is now empty? I guess it would. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but uh, yeah, we're trying to keep them uh, safe as possible and, and uh, out of harm's way. And we've had to move a bunch of them to a hotel, you know, to separate guys and, and uh, just do everything we can to mitigate the uh, you know the likelihood of of, uh, of COVID and and I think our our staff has done an excellent job doing that. We've had our share of problems, like everyone else in the country, like almost everybody else in the country. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, the less people you're around, the better. And uh, now that campus is empty, the, the guys that are on campus uh, in the dormitories, that's uh, more of a, a safe environment, I would say, than than a bunch of people there. Kyle, just a quick follow-up to what you said. I'm not asking names or specific numbers, but can you maybe put a percentage of, of how much of your roster is staying in a hotel off campus? Uh, you know, I'd have to ask Jeff Rudy. He's our guy that orchestrates all that. It's not a high percentage, but but it's uh, what we did is guys that, you know, if you, if you live together and one guy gets it, it's a high-risk exposure for the other guy. And so we've just tried to make sure we've separated everybody as best we can and put them in the best possible scenario, and it really has uh, been a benefit in a lot of in a lot of instances in the last uh, few weeks where uh, we've been able to isolate things that that wouldn't have been as isolated uh, if we hadn't made that move. And so, appreciate our uh, medical staff and administration for for allowing us to to get that done. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. Um, lo- looking at, at your running game the last couple weeks. You, you've taken a committee approach, uh, distributed the, the carries quite a bit. Has there been one or two the running backs out of the group that have started to rise to the top from your perspective that have started to separate themselves on the field? Well, I think you've seen Ty Jordan really do some good things for us the last couple of weeks, and especially last week as his touches went up uh, in this last game. And, and uh, he, if anybody that – starting to separate himself a little bit from the pack. Now, every uh, every one of those four guys has a role and, and brings something to the table. But as far as just productivity and uh, explosiveness and playmaking ability, big playmaking ability, I think you see that in Ty Jordan in particular. And uh, you saw him rip off a couple runs there in the game. Uh, you know, we did he did put the ball on the ground one time, which uh, – is unfortunate because had we, uh, you know, we're deep in the red zone. If we score on that drive, I believe we win the game. But, but uh, he's he's doing the best he can for a young freshman. He'll get better with his ball security, and he did a, a great job for us in that game, making some some big plays. And and so if there's any any separation that's starting to occur, I would say Ty Jordan is the guy that uh, is starting to uh, separate himself. Hey, coach, how you doing this morning? Good, thank you. So Brant's one of the most dynamic players in the Pac-12. How do you get him more involved moving forward? I mean, he had the good first quarter against Washington, the kind of non-existent elsewhere, including the USC game. How do you get him more involved? Yeah, we got to keep him involved and, and get him more touches. Now defenses are putting, you know, they're very, they're very, very much aware of Brant and paying attention to him and, and uh, had a good player on him on Saturday. Uh, but we've got to continue to be more creative and, and uh, get him the ball different ways you saw him carry the ball on a on an orbit reverse there and we need to do more of that and that's our job as coaches to, to get that done and we haven't uh, maximized him as well as we should have in the first couple games 
and moving forward, unless people are just outright going to double team him every snap, we got to find more ways to get him get him touches. Because you're right, he's he's one of the more dynamic tight ends in the country, and uh, we've got to uh, find a way to maximize that. Good morning, Coach. I wanted to ask you about the the pass rush and just your level of concern um, in terms of, you know, being productive in your pass rush. Yeah, well, it wasn't good enough on Saturday. It was pretty good the week before. We came away with three sacks in in the opener, but zero sacks last week. Uh, We did apply some pressure. Most of the pressures we dialed up happened to be, uh, a lot of them happened to be versus the run, which which helped us out as well. We made some big plays in the defending the run with, with some of those pressures. But our four-man rush wasn't as good to us as it usually is and traditionally has been. And we really could have used a sack on that last drive. That last drive was 12 plays and 80-something yards. And and uh, that's when you need a big sack to uh, thwart the drive. We weren't able to do that. And uh, it's not due to, due to lack of effort. Our guys are playing hard and, and uh, doing everything they can. But uh, that was a, a concern last week. wasn't... Uh, what we usually are in the pass rush. We're usually much more effective. And so that's uh, something that hopefully we get back this week. Josh Newman, then Trevor Allen. Kyle, it's been kind of a long road here at this point for Britton Covey. Um, at this point, how, how optimistic are you that he can keep getting healthy and maybe play a larger role in, in your offense? Well, I'm optimistic. We're optimistic. Uh, he's optimistic. But uh, it remains to be seen. We'll see how the practice week goes. He's been uh, very limited. And uh, last week you saw a few snaps here and there on offense, but predominantly used him in the kick return game. Now there wasn't much generated there. Um, The kickoffs were not in a spot. One was in a spot where we probably could have returned it, but but, uh, the other uh, four or five, I thought he made the right decision in in fair catching or letting it go in the end zone. Uh, He did a nice job on the first punt return and saving us a bunch of yards by coming up and, and making that catch. I took a big hit on the play, but but uh, he's fearless and courageous, and and uh, we hope that his role has expanded this week, and he's able to do a lot more on offense, but that remains to be seen. We'll have to see how the practice week goes and how he progresses. But uh, we're, we're a better football team when he's in the lineup, I can tell you that, because he's, he's a playmaker. Trevor Allen, followed by Jeff Call. Kyle, I wanted to get your thoughts on two guys who are playing in your secondary that are have already played in their first two games in college, Clark Phillips and Nate Ritchie. How would you assess their performances through their first two games in college? I think they played exceptionally well given the circumstances and they made big improvements uh, from game one to two. I know Nate uh, you know, had a, a tough matchup with that tight end from Washington this past week. He's a heck of a player, that, that tight end is. But and you also got to throw Fabian Marks in there as well. So those three True freshmen were on the field a bunch uh, together in the game on Saturday, and we came away with uh, three interceptions, and and uh, they held down the fort. I mean, they did throw for about 250, but that in this day and age of football, that's not a ton of yards. And when you when you combine that with only 88 rushing yards, the defense played uh, pretty darn good. And if they get a stop on that last drive and hold them to 17, and we win the game, then we're all feeling really good about ourselves right now. And so, but that's not the case. You know, we weren't able to get that stop and. It's unfortunate, but I think those guys are progressing well, as is, uh, you know, the other guys, Tennessee Puchutau, who played a bunch of snaps for us uh, up front. Sione Fotu, our freshman linebacker, played played very well. He's he's a guy that uh, I think is not getting as much recognition as he should. He's been very productive for us. 
Coach, how do you uh, go about emphasizing ball security in practice? We go about it every day of the week. Uh, we dedicate periods to nothing but ball security drills. We've been doing that uh, for years. Andy's very tuned into that. Andy Lovell, our coordinator, nobody is neglecting that. Nobody is not paying attention to that. We're all paying attention to it. And it's something we always do pay attention to. And uh, that has been, you know, if, you, if you boil it right down to the, the bare bones, that's been our issue. Like I said, the, the, I believe if we turn the ball over one time in those first two games, in each game, we probably win both of them. But that's the shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's not the case, but that's how impactful it's been. And uh, it's something that we will continue to emphasize. Uh, there comes a point where you harp on things too much. It becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where it becomes a, a negative, you know, if you, if you rant and rave about it too much. So uh, our guys understand how important it is. There's nobody on our offense who doesn't get it as far as uh, ball security. And so we've just got to continue to uh, try to do a better job. Coach, wanted to ask you about the offensive line. It seemed that they were able to generate a lot more push up front with Nick Ford at center. How do you evaluate that with Orlando Umana out with injury? And then just what do you want to see from the offensive line moving forward? Well, you're exactly right. We did get a lot better push and it was evidenced by our offensive uh, or our rushing production going way up from the week before. Uh, Nick really is an inside three guy. He's, he's not really at his home position when he's a tackle. He's talented enough to, to do very well there but he does better inside and his, his future at the next level is, is as an inside guy. And so, uh, you know, going forward, we need to see more of the same, just continue to, to get push. Uh, we can, we still need to shore up the pass protection a little bit. It's a little bit too soft at times. Those defensive ends of the Huskies were doing a good job on the outside, uh, narrowing the pocket. we got to keep more width in the pocket with our tackles. We'll get collapsed a little bit, but uh, soft progress bottom line from week one to week two, Offensive line was much improved, and uh, we need to take another step forward this week. Kyle, I know you want to win every game, but I'm wondering, are there benefits for this young team experiencing the sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, heartbreaking losses as, as they move forward as a collective? I guess you could say that. You know, the old adage, what doesn't kill you makes you tougher, and uh, I think there's lessons to be learned whether you win or lose, there's, there's big lessons to be learned. And, and this team certainly has a, a lot of uh, lessons to be learned with uh, the amount of young guys that are getting their opportunity. And uh, so it's, you know, the key is to, to continue to learn and not make the same mistakes twice and, and try to, you know, if you can make a mistake, make a new one. And, you know, it's our job as coaches to, to uh, correct mistakes and continue to bring these guys along. They got a great attitude there. There's a lot of, uh, fight in these uh, freshmen that are playing and, and a lot of want to and for the whole team that for that matter I don't think there's any lack of that you look at the tape and uh, even though we weren't productive in the second half this past game it was not because of a lack of effort everyone's playing as hard as they can and and uh, we as coaches have got to put these guys in better positions to make plays so we didn't do a good enough job as coaches in the second half and so uh, that's where we're at. Yeah, what stands out to you, Coach, about uh, Jermaine Jefferson in terms of his style and maybe the challenge that he poses this week? Well, he's got size, uh, speed, quickness. Um, you're talking about the tailback, right? Because I, I don't normally name yes. him. I, do, I, I go by numbers. But, but uh, anyway, he's a, he's a terrific player. He's uh, productive. Um, 
he's got vision. He seems to have uh, excellent vision, which all really good backs have. And like I said, he's nearly 220 pounds and, and uh, just a shade under six feet. So he's, he's powerful and uh, he runs hard and their offensive line does a nice job. They're not exceptionally big up front. You know, they're a little bit undersized for, you know, Pac-12 and, and Power 5 standards, but you'd never know by the way they play because they get they're physical and they they got a nasty streak to them, which all all really good offensive lines have that little bit of, uh, not a little bit, but a nasty mentality. And uh, that's what they got up front. Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to be at 500 this year to be bowl eligible. And you have two games left on the schedule. Do you harp on that at all to these to these young guys this week to, to keep themselves in the running? Because as you know, an extra potential month of practice and, and – being together goes really far for a young group like this. Well, we're harping on Oregon State right now and trying to find a way to be at our best for those guys and, and let uh, whatever happens after that happen. Uh, with the way the season lays out, it's not an extra month of practice before the Bulls. It'll be a couple weeks at best. But uh, it's uh, all our focus, all our attention. We haven't even talked about that uh, as far as postseason. We're just trying to become as good a football team as we can at the moment. And uh, we don't want to get one step ahead of ourselves at all. And so all our focus is channeled to uh, this week. There's been no talk of anything but Oregon State, nor will there be. That's, uh, that's where we're at. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.